Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Man, well, it's good to see you this morning. It's nice to see some old faces and some new faces. Some of you new faces are like, who is this tall, bald, white man in the front of my church? You have no idea who I am. I would just, would you, by faith, if you have no idea who I am, would you just raise your hand so I know who my, all right. You're about to get to a master class in Matt Crachunas. You're either never going to come back or you're going to be glad that I am not the weekly pastor. For those of you that don't know, my name is Matt Crachunas. I know you may have heard of me far and wide, but here I am today in the flesh. I won't have time for many autographs after service, maybe five or six, but if you stick around, I'll be able to give you a few. This morning, I have my wife, Crystal, with me this morning. Stand up, honey. Turn around. Let them see you. And it looks like it's her sister, but it's not. It's my daughter, Faith. Stand up, Faith. You know, uh, how much time do you guys give? Uh, how much do I get? As much as I want? Whew, let me just settle in for this. Um, for those of you that don't know the story, actually, the anniversary is next Sunday, July 17th, 1997. I started my first day of basic training in the U.S. Army, and I met a man named John Butcher on July 17, 1997. Now, I don't know about the, if you remember the first time you met John Butcher, but I do. He's one of those men that when you meet, you never forget the day that you met John Butcher. Uh, if you're visiting here this morning, what you may not know is that Pastor John has recently received a heart transplant. So, um, he, has, he has had heart issues for many, many years, and many of us knew that this day was coming. And um, earlier in the year, the doctor said it was probably going to happen over this time, and so they, sent up a pre- they set up a preaching schedule over the summer And they said, uh, Matt, will you come down and do two weeks in July? I'm honored to be here for two weeks in July to to fill the pulpit for Pastor John. And so if you are visiting here for the first time, I just want to encourage you to please come back. This is a great church with a great spirit. You're going to meet a ton of great people. Uh, Pastor John is on the mend. He is doing well. Uh, He... He's, he's a lot farther along than the doctors want him to be. Uh, they are holding him back. If you talk to him on the phone, he is done being in the hospital. He is done with the, with the prodding and the poking and the, the, all of that. He's just like, let me go. I got stuff to do. And so as much as you guys want him back, he wants to be here. He doesn't want to be anywhere else but here. I will tell you as a pastor, my wife and I have been pastoring a church in Auburn, Washington for the last 19 years. Uh, not unlike the building, we started with a very small group and our church has grown. I love my church. I love being around my church. I love my church people. And so even this Sunday, as I'm with you, 
as much, as much fun as it is to be here, I would much rather be with my own church because I love my church family more than anything. Pastor John has that same feeling. He loves you guys. Uh, and, and with him being in the hospital, laid up, and them not letting him out, all he wants to do is be back here with you. He wants to be uh, with the Fellowship of the Saints. And so uh, just know that as quickly as humanly possible, he will return to the place in which he has been appointed. Now, I don't know why I got this moniker. I think I gave it to myself, and then you guys just kind of ran with it. Many years ago, I came for a sermon, and I called myself Drunk Uncle Matt. And, and for some reason, that moniker has stuck with me, and, and I hope it's not in an air of disrespect, but of fun and jest, uh, that you still love me as a pastor. And, and, and the reason why I got the moniker of Drunk Uncle Matt is because if you have ever been around a family member who is the drunk uncle, and we all have a drunk uncle, don't we? (laughs) Say amen if you have a drunk uncle. Say amen if it's you. No, don't say that. (laughs) And, and, And what's interesting about having a drunk uncle is a drunk uncle is the one that always shows up to the family parties that he wasn't really invited, but when he has a few inside of him, he just kind of says what needs to be said to everybody else in the room, and everybody gets kind of uncomfortable about what the drunk uncle is saying, mostly because what he's saying is true. The rest of the family sits around and kind of plays nice and figures out, you know, hey, we're just going to be nice to each other. But then old uncle so-and-so shows up, has a few, and a little bit later he starts talking about the problems that everybody has, the things that need to change, people that have done things wrong, and, and, and they tolerate him because he's an uncle, but they get kind of upset because he's speaking the truth. It's kind of my mission at my own church is they don't call me Drunk Uncle Matt. They call me Pastor Matt because they are used to my verbal abuse. <laughs> they are used to me saying what needs to be said with little to no apologies, knowing that the truth is the only thing that can set somebody free. Giving you platitudes or placating you to lead you to believe something that is not true does you no spiritual good and does not help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And so as I speak this morning, I do not want you to think in some sort of way that I'm the visiting pastor that comes down and speaks to people in a way that he does not speak to people at his own church. I am actually going to be nice to you this morning in a way that my church doesn't always receive. See, because my church is my family, and I I rebuke them with the Father's love. I love them with the Father's love. I raise my church the same way that I raise my kids, that I do not lead them to believe something that is not true to be true. My kids were raised on a voice that when they did not perform well in sports, and they got in the car and they were crying, and they wanted to be encouraged, my encouragement would be, well, you didn't train hard enough before you got into the game and you expected to play better when last summer I told you you needed to be out there practicing. A lot of people would say, why are you so mean to your kids? I'm not mean to my kids. I am truthful with my kids because I know that that's the only way that they're going to get better. I don't lead them to believe something that's not true. I do not encourage them when they need to be corrected. And so this morning, as we walk through this message together, which I believe is of God, I'm not going to have you own anything that is not yours, but I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself to what you need to hear from the Holy Spirit this morning. And as they say, if the shoe fits, 
wear it. Amen? Aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord this morning? Did we set that up good enough? Are we excited about what God wants to do? I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 4 this morning, and so if you have your Bibles, you can uh, follow along with me. I believe that the Super Bible is going to be on the screen behind me for those of you that uh, need to watch it on the Jumbotron. Let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active, that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Fathers, you have brought us into this place, Lord. We pray that we would not leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, in this story, if you're not familiar with it, Jesus, uh, King of the Jews, Lord of all, right? You guys heard of Jesus before. He's beginning his ministry. And what happens at the beginning of his ministry is that there was this other gentleman named John. And John had been out preaching repentance. And so what happens is that they put him in jail for preaching repentance. And so Jesus leaves for Galilee. He ends up in this town called Capernaum. And this is a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9. And then Jesus starts his ministry of preaching repentance. I believe in preaching repentance because I believe that repentance is the message of the gospel. If you don't know what repentance means, repentance means turning. It means to turn from your sins, to turn towards Jesus in faith, receive the forgiveness of sins, and walk in new life. This is what John preached, and this is what Jesus preached. You go into the book of Acts, and this is what they preached in Acts. They did not go out and preach love and banquets. They went out and they preached forgiveness and repentance. They said you needed to turn from your sins and turn towards God, because this is the message of the gospel that sets people free. Now, usually when you come as a visiting preacher, let me explain to you a little secret. And you will see this again when I come later in the year after Pastor John is back or next year. The way that a preacher usually does it is that we all preach around 50 messages a a year. And there's maybe two weeks that we don't. And so when someone invites you and they say, hey, man, you got to come preach a sermon. And then you really spiritualize it to say, well, God said. And, And what you do is, though, you pick the best sermon that you preached in the last year and then you come and preach it. Because then everybody thinks you're an awesome preacher. But we don't all preach 50 great sermons a year. There's usually only about one or two. Most of it is just vegetables. It's just like cardio. You just got to get through it, right? And I will tell you, in my, in my flesh, I really wanted to come down this week and preach you a, like, this is the best sermon I've preached in the last 50 weeks. Y'all, the, 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 the anointing would fall, and you guys would be like, man, this guy's the best preacher we ever. But that's not what's happening this morning. That's not what the Lord freed me to preach this morning. God gave me a message and told me to preach this message. And so that's what we're going to preach this morning because I believe that it's a message for the Building Christian Fellowship. I believe that God sent me to come down here to be able to preach to you so that you would hear it. And the message 
If you don't hear anything else this morning, you need to hear this. The title of the message is the message, is the call, is the encouragement, and it's everything. I'm just going to take 45 minutes to drill it into your head. And the message is, stay in the fight. That's the whole message. If you want to get on your phones, if you want to check out, if you want to stop listening, you can stop listening after you get it in your spirit. The message for today is stay in the fight. That's it. Stay in the fight. God has sent me down here to let you know that this area needs the Building Christian Fellowship. I don't care what happened. I don't care what is happening. I don't care what happened to your pastor. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you've been through. The message of the Lord for you this morning is that you need to stay in the fight. You need to stay in the fight. This is not Pastor John's church. This is God's church. The gates of hell will not prevail against this church Just because the senior pastor isn't here does not mean that God is not here. Who are you on a mission for anyway? If you're on a mission for God and through God and to God, you will stay in the fight because God has ordained it and God has called you to it. Amen. Pastor John is going to be back, but you can't wait to fight when he gets back. You need to stay in the fight right now. We are on mission here at the building. Would you believe this morning that God has placed each and every one of you strategically to be here for a time such as this? God places the members in the body. That's what the word says. Now, the reality is this morning is that some people are MIA. And if you're not familiar with the military jargon, MIA means missing in action. They are under dereliction of duty. They are AWOL. They are absent without leave. Some of these people have decided that in this season of the, uh, the under shepherd to the great shepherd not being here watching his sheep, that somehow they can either go to some other green pasture or stay at home and try to watch online and eat the grass. If you are watching here this morning and you are physically able to be in the church of God, here's the camera, get to church. God did not design online church as a way for you to go to the church of the pajamas. That was not God's design at all. You need to get up, get cleaned up, and get down here to the building. The Ecclesia is a called out group of people. It's not a group of individuals that sit at home eating pancakes talking about I'm part of a church. That's not how it works. God has called us to be together. There's a spiritual power that happens when a group of people come together and worship publicly to an unbelieving world that says, you know what? We are the ecclesia. We are the called out. We are the church. And we need you to be a part of it. The church is not where it needs to be because you're not here. You need to be here. Everybody brings a gift. Everybody brings something to the table. And if you are not here, you are not able to bring your gift. There are people here in Susun that need Jesus. There's people in Fairfield that need Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, for those of you that are here this morning watching online, I'm just going to tell you how it's going to be. You're going to stay in the fight. I'm not, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. 
This, this ain't the time where I come down and try to convince you and ask you. This is Matt coming down and saying, you know what, man? You want to know what the, what the next step is? The next step is stay in the fight. You say, well, I don't know what to do or how to do it. Well, you're going to stay in the fight. That, you're just going to you're just going to keep swinging. Just you just throw some haymakers. Because I mean, I don't know how to fight. Listen to the people around you that are going to show you what you need to do to be in the fight. When I was in high school, many, 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 many years ago, you know, it's funny. The older you get, the shorter distance it seems to be that you were in high school. Next year is my 30-year high school reunion. I've been out of high school almost 30 years. I'm becoming one of those old people that hangs around young people and thinks I'm still in the game. And they smile and laugh, and they, man, you're so far out of the game, you don't even know it. When I was in high school, uh, I did football and wrestling. I was better at wrestling than I was at football. Football, I was horrible uh, I, the only thing I had going for me was I was big and I got in the way. That's like 90% of it, but I was okay just being in the way. Wrestling, totally different thing. Now, when I, when I did high school wrestling, my first year in wrestling, I lost every single match. And when I say every single match, I mean every single match. Uh, people would just look forward to wrestling me because they knew they were going to get an easy win. Like it was known in the league, oh, you got Quachunas, it's in the bag. Like you're going to win. Second year, I'm, I mean, I won like maybe like two matches, two matches my, my, um, my, my sophomore year. And I remember one, one, my, my first varsity win was against Eastside Catholic High School. And I remember the date because it was January 11th. It was my mom's birthday. And God bless my mom. I love her to pieces. But my mom was so used to me losing that it was her birthday and she was going to go out with her friends. And so she said to me, do you want me to come to your match? And I said, no, I don't want to go to the match. I said, you don't have to come. You know it's going to happen. I'm going to lose. So just go enjoy your birthday with your friends. So the way, if you've never been to a high school wrestling match, it's, it's kind of like the WWE, but without the capes. And so all the wrestlers are lined up on either side of the mat, and they have weight classes from 101 pounds to 275 pounds, and then you get points for each match. And then at the end, you tally up the matches. And then the team wins based on how many people and how many people win and lose, right? And so I was 190 pounds, which is the last match before the 275 pound. The 275 pound wrestler that week had a bye. So it was a guaranteed win. It was just about time for me to wrestle. I was after, it goes 178, 190. And the, 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 the match is at a point where I need to win to win the match. Ron Hoot. I don't know why the big guy's always got a name like Hoot. Hoot. That was his name. He was 275 pounds. Hoot. That was his name, right? I'm a sophomore. We're about to go in. We're at the end, and I'm watching the points. I'm like, whatever. And we get right to the point where it's time to get down to the, my match, right? And Hoot comes up to me, and he goes, Cratunus. You have to win for us to win. And in my spirit, I was like, you see what I'm capable of? I've lost every single match. Everyone. And now you are looking at me in my eyes and saying, we need you to be able to win this match for all of it. What do you think is going to happen? That's what's going on inside of my spirit. But you know what I did? I went, all right, man, we got this. 
Do it. So wrestling, the way, the way wrestling works is you get two people and they're side by side, right? And you start out. And then what you're supposed to do is you come in and you take the other guy down and then you get on top. And then once you're on top of the other guy, you turn him onto his back. His back goes on the mat and tweet. And then you get a pin. That's how it works. So I get into this match. And I don't remember all the details of the match. But what I do remember is that I was quickly on the bottom and he was on the top. Okay? I was quickly. I mean, I, I just, I was used to it. That's where I ended up, right? So then I'm, I'm, I'm down on my belly, right? And, I, and I'm down. And, and my coach is like right there looking at me. And, and I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm used to being down here, right? And my coach goes, Cretunis, put your head up. And I put my head up like this. He goes, get your knees underneath you. <sighs> And I put my knees underneath me. And he goes, push up. And I begin to push up. He said, take your hand and pull his hand off your neck. And I pulled his hand off off my neck. He goes, bring one knee up. And I brought one knee up. And he said, now pull the hand off and stand up. And and it was was literally like a Rocky movie. I heard the music. I, I could hear it. And I, dun, dun, dun. Like, I said, I this superhuman strength came over. I remember I stood up. He was like, flip around. Oh, get on top. I followed everything the coach told me to do. I didn't know anything. But my coach was right there telling me exactly what I needed to do. I don't, I, to this day, I have no idea what happened. But I pinned that guy. And I won that match. It was, I mean, it was like a high school, after high school special. The bench cleared. They ran out on the mat. The loser of all losers. He did it. He won. And now I lost a bunch of other matches. But that match, I did it. There's a sermon in there somewhere. God needs to get more glory and we cannot give up. There are spiritual lives at stake. Y'all have been doing these series on the gospel-centered life, right? Yes? Have you not been listening? How do I not attend your church and know what the series is and you don't? The series you are in is the gospel-centered life. And the gospel-centered life, I will tell you, is staying in the fight. You do not get any days off when you live a gospel-centered life. Church is not on Sundays from 11 to 12.35. That is not the gospel-centered life. The gospel-centered life is 24-7, 365. That means if you wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you will enter into a spirit of prayer because you live a gospel-centered life. You don't get any days off. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Amen? You saw it in the, in the 
message this morning from the generosity with Ruben and Rio. Now, the, the point of that video is very easy. Give your tithes and offerings. Why? Because it matters. It matters. It matters that, that Ruben and Rio's marriage was saved through the ministry of this church. Now, I don't know if you tithe, I tithe. My wife and I have been married for 24 years. We've never not tithed since the day we got saved. Since, well, since the day I got saved, then the day we got married, right? I would give every single dollar of my tithe for the last 24 years to see your marriage saved. I, for you to walk with Jesus, it's worth every dollar to me, right? See, because I don't, what, what I get from the tithe is irrelevant. What God got from the tithe is a man and woman of God that are now serving him wholeheartedly that affects the lives of everybody else. This is our fight. Our fight is for this church. You, you can't minimize it. You can't just think, well, you know, it's just chairs and floors and music. No, dude, that is not it at all. This church matters. The fight we are in matters. Souls are at stake. People, people are going to heaven instead of hell because of the building. Lives are being changed because of the building. Marriages are being saved because of the building. Kids are going to walk with Jesus because of the building. And so the fight that we're in matters. And you say, well, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not really in a season where I need anything from the church. Man, that is such the wrong answer. Maybe there's someone else in the church that needs this church more in the season than you, than you do. Your job's to be here, do your part, and be part of the church for those people that need it, to stay in the fight. Maybe that was my intro. Let me get to the sermon. If you're going to stay in the fight, you've got to stay on mission. This, this, is a, this is a mindset that you have to think about when it comes to you and your relationship with Christ. You have to say, am I on mission? Because here's the reality, is that we all have jobs. And, and I don't know what your job is, and, and, and whether it's making it, selling it, delivering it, fixing it, marketing it, whatever it is. You are part of the widget factory, and that's great. But that's not your mission. That's not your mission field. God may give you grace to do whatever it is that you've been called to do, but your mission is found in Jesus Christ and the local church. That is the mission. The, the, the local church is the greatest strength and the greatest tool that God has ever used throughout all humanity, short of Jesus on the cross, to draw people unto himself. And so when you're thinking about what, what do I need to be doing, I need to be staying on mission. And staying on mission is, is uh, uh, my daughter will tell you, every single time she leaves the house, what do I say to you, Faith? Head on a swivel. That's what I tell my daughter, head on a swivel. Stay off your phone. Why? Because I'm, I'm really big on safety and security. That's just kind of how I am. I stay strapped. You know what I'm saying? Not in California, but they don't let me roll like this in, you know, in the Bay Area, place you need it most, but all I got is this. Whenever my daughter leaves the house, I always say the same thing to her. Stay off your phone, head on a swivel. Because something bad will happen to you if you are, and, and this is just a freebie, if you're a guy or a girl, I mean, if you're out in public, stay off your phone. Don't be walking through the parking lot like this. You ain't going to see it coming. Like, don't. Just don't sit in your car and be on your phone thinking that you're safe. Get to where you need to be. Get out of your car. Get inside. Stay off your phone. But I always tell my daughter, Head on a swivel. Why? 
Because awareness buys you time and time buys you options. <laughs> you guys are getting some free training this morning in self-defense. That's why I tell her. I say awareness buys you time, time buys you options. And if you are not aware, because if, you, if you're somewhere and you're aware and all of a sudden you, you can kind of figure out what's going on around you and you can make adjustments very, very quickly because you see it coming. If you are on your phone and then, and then it pops off, you're like, what's going on? Oh, oh, there's a gunshot. We should probably be somewhere else. Listen, don't be at stupid places at stupid times with stupid people and you won't get into stupid. Okay? Follow the rules of stupid. Okay? Now, she's on mission because she's got a dad that takes care of her. As Christians, sometimes we walk out into the community and we completely forget that we are on mission. We do not keep our head on a swivel. We keep our faces in our phones. We are so self-consumed with our own problems and our own issues and our own wants and our own needs and our own desires that we miss the opportunity to know that there are people out there that need what we have. They need Jesus. They need the fellowship of the saints. They need to be in community. And so what happens is, because you are not living on mission... You are living to yourself. You're thinking about your own wants, needs, and desires, about your me time. Me time is not a gospel-centered life. You can get all the me time you want when you die and you go to heaven and you be with Jesus. It'll all be about you praising Jesus, okay? But while you are here, you are on mission. And what that means is, in the same self-defense way that I taught my daughter Faith, when you go anywhere in this world, you need to keep your head on a swivel. I need to pay attention to what is going on around me because awareness buys me time and time buys me options. Because everywhere you go, there are people that need Jesus. Everywhere you go, whether you go to the grocery store, whether you are getting gas, whether you are anywhere, there is always somebody that needs Jesus. The problem is, is that usually people do not want to stay on mission because they think it's too much work. They feel like they've got too much going on in their own lives that they cannot be consumed with what is going on in somebody else's life, but that is not staying on mission. Christianity has been going on for over 2,000 years through war, famine, holocaust. No one ever said during a world war, well, war's happening, let's just shut her down for a few years. See, you, and, and I know you guys forgot that I was actually going to use the Bible this morning. Because you're like, what does this have to do with the scripture? Watch this. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. See, what Jesus didn't do is when John changed his location to prison, he did not allow the change in what happened to John change what he knew knew that he needed to do while he was on mission. John. Isn't that interesting? John was sent to prison for preaching the gospel of repentance. Jesus saw that John had been sent to prison. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to stay on mission. I'm not going to change what God has called me to do. I'm not going to change what I know that I'm called to do. Just because somebody else in my entourage had their life changed in a certain way, it doesn't mean that I'm going to change my life in a certain way. 
Jesus is demonstrating here just because someone goes to prison for what you're about to do doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. John preaches repentance, and then what does it say? Verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What happened to John was not going to keep Jesus from doing his mission. You, as the people of God, as the people of the Building Christian Fellowship, and, and, and I know that some people are, the, the sad reality is, is there's probably more people that aren't here that are using that, this excuse than the people that are here. But again, if you're here and the shoe fits, wear it. I know that there are people that are not doing what they need to do to stay on mission because they're pastors in the hospital. And it's disgusting, man. It just really is. It reveals a heart that says, you know what? I'm at church because of the butchers, not at church because of Jesus. I, 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 I'm going to use whatever excuse possible to let off the gas, to not stay on mission. And I don't care what happens to the church. I don't care what happens to the butchers because it was all about me anyway. So if I'm not getting the regular preaching, if I'm not getting the regular encouragement, if Pastor John, if Pastor John in the middle of his heart transplant can't find time to call me back, I'm not really sure that that's my church. I guarantee you people are saying this in their hearts because I got stuff I'm going through. Yes, I'm sure it's real to you. (laughs) But here's the reality. If I was your pastor, which I'm not, but if I was, what I would say to you is you are never going to stop going through something. We are all always going through something. I'm either on my way in it I'm either in it or I'm on my way out of it. I can't think of any time in my life short of Disneyland in an afternoon at 3 o'clock when I got to the front of the line that everything wasn't perfect in my life. Other than that, I'm usually about to go in it, I'm in it, or I'm on my way out of it. I'm always going through something. But as Christians, we cannot use that as an excuse to not stay on I don't care if your family member is dying, you are in the hospital, in the waiting room, crying your eyes out, and there is somebody next to you that is going through the same thing as you, it is your time to be there for them. And someone says, well, what about my feelings? What about them? I don't care about your feelings. I really don't. We we are too far driven by our feelings instead of the fact of the reality is that there are people that need the message that we have. They need to know the joy that we have, the hope that we have, the expectancy that we have. And what a greater witness it would be to be in the midst of everything that's going on with you and to be able to find the strength in Jesus to say, I don't care what's going on with me. Do you know Jesus? It looks like you could really use some prayer. It looks like you could really use some encouragement. I know that I need it, but I don't care about what I need. I care about what Jesus needs. He needs more glory. He needs more followers. He needs more people to come after him. And right now is the moment because my head has been on a swivel. I paid attention to my surroundings. I've stopped being internally focused and been outward focused and said, you know what? Wherever I go, I am going to stay in the fight. I'm going to stay on mission. I'm not going to miss the opportunity to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. I'm going to stay in the fight. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
This is a true scripture. Do you believe that Jesus can do anything through you? Do you believe it? Do you believe that we, we, we have the power to overcome anything and everything? Do you believe that Jesus truly saves people from sins and that it truly gives people new life? If you believe that, then you will stay on mission. You will stay on mission all day, every day, everywhere that you go. Whether you're checking in, checking out, walking through, walking about, people at your work, people in your community, everywhere you go, you stay on mission. And I get it, man. It's easy to have a mindset that says, when John gets out of prison, we will continue the work. Because that's the scripture this morning, right? John was sent to prison, and Jesus could have you know what, guys, let's just fold it up. You know, John went to prison. We're just, we're just going to wait for him to get out. And then we'll just kind of continue what God had started. But, you know, I, I've been looking for an excuse. I've been looking for a, a reason to let off the gas. I, I thought, isn't, isn't one of the things you guys say, here we grow at TBCF? Here we grow. Isn't that what we say? Is the church growing while the butchers are gone? Is it? I hope so. I, 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 hope that, I hope that when the butchers come back, they find it better than they left it. I hope that the, the, mission, the, the message they get when they come back is, y'all ain't as important as you think you are. This is our church. Here we grow. That's what we do. I don't, God has called you and you are our leader and we are submitted and committed and we need your guidance. But whether you are here or you are not here, here we grow. That's what we do. One, one of the worst things that people think within Christianity is that the mission will not go on without you. <laughs> Thinking that somehow you have power on the worship team. Well, you know, they can't do without me. Power in the music or in the media ministry or power in the children. Thinking somehow you've got some sort of power over this church because of what you bring to the table. Listen, man, everybody's replaceable. I'm replaceable. Pastor John is replaceable. Everybody's replaceable in the kingdom. God will find someone who will stay on mission that will stay in the fight. Why? Because the mission is greater than one man. The mission is greater than one family. The mission is greater than, than one person that refuses to do what God has called them to do. And so I ask you, what are you going to do with the mission that God has placed in your heart? Are you going to live out Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations? That's a mandate on each and every one of us. And I get it, man. There's a point at which you get tired of being on mission. It's hard. It's hard to be on all the time. And now I'm an outspoken person. This is what I do. Pastor John is the same way. This is why me and him are such great friends. Because both of us just absolutely love people. If you talk to Kaya or Crystal, they will tell you the same thing. Where's Matt and where's John? Talking to somebody. I don't care where we go. I'm making friends. I, I, we went to Disneyland this week, and I literally was exchanging phone numbers with people that I met in line at Disney. Because that's who I am. That's what I do, man. I, I was at Disneyland, and I met a guy that knew your pastor in line. I was, he was wearing some San Fran gear, and I was thinking to myself, I thought, man, I wonder if this guy lives in the Bay Area. 
I, I had my head was on a swivel. I was aware. Awareness buys me time. Time buys me options. I'm stuck in this line. I got nothing to do. I hadn't brought my phone in with me because I was taking a real vacation, but I'm not going to take a vacation from serving Jesus. So this guy who, you know, didn't look that approachable, but, you know, you're wearing some gear, you're going to get approached. Hey, man, what's up with that San Fran hat? Go Seahawks. I said, where do you live, man? He goes, man, I live in the Bay Area. I was like, oh, really? What city? Fairfield. Really? Hey, man, I'm going to be in Fairfield on Sunday preaching. You should come. Be awesome. No, I'm not doing that. Well, I'm going up there because my friend, he pastors the church called the Building Christian Fellowship in, in the Marina Center. You, you know that church? He goes, yeah, John Butcher, right? I was like, yeah, man, you know Pastor John? He goes, yeah, me and, Pastor, me and John go way back. So we had this great conversation. He's not here this morning. I don't know why. He actually, well, actually, I do know why. He has a home church that he attends, which is fine. Praise God. I hope he's there this morning. The point isn't that I got him to church. The point is that I stayed on mission. I stayed on mission. Even, see, this is what I do. When I'm on vacation, I'm working at growing your church for you. <laughs> I, don't know what, I, don't, I don't know what you guys are doing for Faith and Victory Auburn. <laughs> when y'all are on vacation, but when I'm on vacation... I'm out there doing the heavy lifting for the Building Christian Fellowship in Susun City, California. That's what I do. I stay on mission. If you're going to stay in the fight, you've got to adjust as necessary. There's always adjustments. Just because John went to prison, Jesus moved on to a new city to do ministry. He just moved on. He didn't try to fight more than he needed to. He just moved on. Verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. To be effective in ministry, you have to learn to adjust to the circumstances around you. That's just what it takes, man. And, and, and I know that we are in a season of transition, all of us. Uh, it's the, the, the same is true at Faith of Victory. is the same at the building. It's everywhere. We're just having to learn new ways of doing ministry because of what's going on. As Mike Tyson famously once said, have you guys ever heard of this guy called Mike Tyson? Yeah. He was a boxer. I know, it's kind of dating myself. He always said, the plan's the plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> That's it. That's what he said. He said, the plan's the plan until you get punched in the mouth. And, and I will tell you that the butchers did not plan the last 24 months. Like I, I know I'm sitting here and I'm slaying you guys, telling you to be on mission. I get that, right? I'm trying to encourage you to stay in the fight. I'm trying to encourage you to build some momentum Let's get the building growing. Let's get the building churning. Let's do some great things. Who, who would have planned over the last 24 months, hey, let's have a global pandemic. Let's do that. But let's do it right after we do an expensive build-out for a church that's on this powerful trajectory to change a city. So let's just swing for the fences, invest every dollar we have into, honestly, one of the most gorgeous church buildings that I know, but let's do it, and then right as we're going to hit the ground running, let's shut everything down and get people to stop coming to church. That sounds like a great plan. So what do we do? We go online, make some adjustments. It, it's no good. Nobody likes it, but we make some adjustments. You do whatever, right? And so then we're all kind of like, is COVID this? Is COVID that? Is it real? Whatever. It's like, boom, let's all get COVID. It is real. 
Did anybody else play that game where you were like, it ain't real? And then summer of 2020, you were like, it's real. And then, hey, let's have Pastor John get a stroke and almost die. Let's do that. That sounds real good. Right in the middle of a global pandemic when we can't meet publicly, we invested all this money into this church building, and now let's have our pastor almost die. Now, I don't know how it affected you, but I was sobbing like a baby and I couldn't sleep. That, that's, that's what happened to me, and he's not even my pastor. I literally couldn't sleep. I would just lay in bed and sob. Crystal would rub my back. I fell asleep eventually. I don't know what time I did. I love that guy, man. I don't want to live life without Pastor John. I love him to pieces. He's my flesh. He's my bones. There's nobody else on this planet that is more like me than Pastor John Butcher. I'm just a little less black. That's it. Listen, he gave me the card to the cookout, man. Don't even play. If he was here, he would say it. He's light-skinned anyway. How black is he anyway? You know what I'm saying? He's handing out cards to light-skinned like me every single day. He don't even care. It's like, yeah, man, come on. Come to the cookout. And then let's have his heart transplant. Huh? Let's, do, let's add that to the mix, huh? Let's have him almost die from that as well. And then let's let the sheep be without a shepherd, just kind of like grabbing, like, because I know that you guys want it, and you, and we're just, but we're just kind of maintaining, you know what I'm saying? And the adjustment that I want you guys to have is this, is that Pastor John really may not be back for another two months, and, and, but the mission cannot wait. It just cannot wait. You, you need to quit saying in your heart, in your mouth, when the butchers come back. The only when they come back that you can say is when Jesus comes back. Come on, yeah. That's it. But even you don't know when Jesus is going to come back, you've got to adjust. You've got to stay on mission. And, and, and really, the, the greatest testament to the power of Jesus is not that the church maintained while the butchers were gone. The testament to Jesus is that the church grew while they were gone. That people come back and like, man, I, I don't, it's, it's nice to meet you, Pastor John, but we've already made relationships with all these other people. These are my family. It's really nice to hear you, and we heard great things about you, but we're here because Jesus is great. We're here today because God set me free. You've got to adjust the plan after you get punched in the face. <laughs> Paul did the same thing. Paul went to where the Holy Spirit led him. He didn't stay where he was at. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. The earliest disciples didn't get overworked by setbacks. They just adjusted. Acts 18.6, But then they opposed him and blasphemed. He shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own hands. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. This is what Jesus told us to do, and whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake the dust off of your feet. Just because church ministry is not the same as it's been doesn't mean that it ends. You just adjust. Now, I'll tell you for myself, and you might find this surprising, but I'm like your pastor, is that I'm an encourager and I'm an inviter. Everywhere I go and invite people to church. Everywhere I go, I encourage people. And, and you can see it even in, in, in this church is that when Pastor John isn't here, there's a different kind of energy that's just missing. It's what makes him so exceptional, which makes him so beautiful. 
When John Butcher's in the room, you know it. And, it, and you feel it. Like, we all, like, you just feel loved by the guy. You know what I mean? The way he talks, the way he can. He can love 100 people within 10 minutes in a way that most of us just can't. That's just his spirit. That's just who he is. But you know what? Somebody's got to take up that mantle in his absence. You may not be that encouraging, man. You better find it. You may not be that positive. You better find it. Every time there's a... When a pastor is at his church, he always knows who the new visitors are. And, and even this morning, when I saw who the visitors are, in my heart, my spirit was like, man, I need to connect with them. I want to talk to them. I want to let them know that they're loved and they're wanted. I want them to make this their church home. That's my heart. Is that your heart when you're here? Or is your heart like, well, you know, Pastor John ain't here. If he was here, he'd do it, but I ain't going to worry about it. I got to get to lunch. Are you going to stay on mission? Are you going to adjust your life as necessary to say, do you want, man, I am on mission I'm inviting people, I'm being here, and if people are coming here, man, I want to I put my spiritual arms around them, let them know that they are wanted and they're needed, and that they can be a part of what God is doing here. I am not going to stop doing what needs to be done just because Pastor John is not here. What if it was all on you? What if? Because that, that's the heart of a pastor. The reason, the reason why my church does what it does is because I have the mindset of it's all on me. And some people are fine with that. They're like, yeah, let it all be on you because we're just here to just get served. But that's not how it should be. Every single one of us, and bless God, I've got enough people at my church now that have that mindset of like, yeah, it's on all of us. It's on all of us. I mean, even today, like they're preaching, they're probably done by now, but they're preaching at, at Faith and Victory this morning too, and they're on mission. They're continuing the work. I can walk away from my church for two weeks. I'm like, run the plan. Like, we got it, Pastor. I'm going to come back. There'll be new visitors that came and probably joined up while I was gone because they are on mission together. They adjust to what goes on around them. Amen? Here's my last point. Stay in the fight. Remember God's plan. That it might be fulfilled. These are the words of of Jesus that are used throughout the gospel. And, and, And it's the reason why this is... Uh, words that are used in the book of Matthew is that the book of Matthew is really concerned with letting everybody know that Jesus is Messiah and that he is there to save people from, his, from their sins. And, and the plan of God is going to move forward either with you or without you. That's just how it is. I just want to be a part of it. In, in a world that doesn't make any sense, in a world that doesn't uh, have what, what I need, that is just empty, I, the greatest treasure that I have in my life is being part of God's plan. To know that everything that I do and everything that I take part of is part of God's plan. And so it's worth it to me. It really is. And I know that I'm a full-time pastor, but it doesn't matter whether that's what you were called to or not. The the things that you are going to do in your life, the only things that are going to matter are the things that you can take with you to heaven and being part of God's plan. Stop thinking about quitting. Remind yourself that God is in control. Remind yourself that God knows what happened to John. God knows what's going on with John. He is repairing John, and he's going to return. And the reality is is that some of y'all aren't even ready for his return. And let me explain this to you. You've had sick John for five years, and you could barely handle him then. What's going to happen when you get full energy, John? (laughs) 
You know, Pastor John and I met in basic training, and he'll tell you the story when he comes back. I had a body like a Greek god. I really, I can't lie. I looked amazing. I really did. Before I met my wife and she fed me. And in basic training, you do a lot of running, a lot of push-ups. And you know what? The running and the push-ups did not faze me at all. I never got yelled at for being behind. I never got yelled at for not doing enough push-ups because I was, always, I was already in great physical shape before I showed up to basic training. And so because I had done the physical work before I got to basic training, when they started pushing me hard, I just gave them all they wanted because I had already been practicing before I got there. Spiritually, this is the time for you to stretch your spiritual legs because I will tell you this, Pastor John is in a bed right now in literal chains wanting to walk from Palo Alto to Susun to work y'all into shape. (laughs) It pains him. He, He hasn't even said this. I just know it because I have a pastor's heart. It pains him that he cannot do the work of the ministry because he is stuck in a hospital bed. And so when he comes back, it is not going to be Disneyland. It's going to be basic training. It's going to be what have y'all been doing with this church? Let's go. There are lives to be changed and souls to be saved. We need to get to work. And what y'all need to do is get into a place spiritually where when he shows up, you're bringing him along. Be like, Pastor, we've been doing this. You need to step it up. We're ahead. We're doing this thing. And he's going, okay, okay. This is the moment. This is the time. And again, I realize it's summer. People like to go on vacation in July and August. I don't care. This church could grow in one, it could double in one month if every single one of you said, I just need to get one person to come to church this month. Not just one. Think about it. What would this room look like if it doubled in size by the beginning of August? If if everybody would just have a mindset, I'm going to stay on mission. I'm going to adjust as necessary. I'm going to stay in God's plan. God's plan has called me to be an evangelizer. It doesn't matter whether you are an introvert. There's no parts of the Bible where there's an asterisk that says, unless you are an introvert, you don't have to do this. That's not how it works. You were saved and you were called and now you are on mission and you've got to stay in the fight. You've got to stay in the fight. And so my challenge to you this morning is this. Don't give up emotionally. Don't give up spiritually. Stay in the fight mentally. Stay on mission But I want to encourage you to find one person to bring to church in the next month. They're out there, man. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.